Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later. If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move. Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go. I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNertney at Green Ocean Global, we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend. Right, he can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes. And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation. I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out. And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John. Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out. All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Kaylee and Josh. Each week, they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Let's Move to Portugal, we've got Rebbe. In a Let's Move to Portugal first, we interview someone in Utah. There's more than one way to relocate to Portugal, and Rebbe and her husband have their very own approach. Stick around. Hey, gang. Hey, Dan. How's it going? Hey, Dan. Here we are. It's episode 10. We've made it to double digits. Yeah, I can't believe it. I'm actually really excited. This, uh, this thing is becoming a well-oiled machine. Heck yeah, it is. And we just keep chugging along the tracks. I love it. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun, too. Yeah, it most certainly has been. I've actually really liked it because we've been able to dive into different topics than what we can do on our YouTube channel. So for me, it's it's been a pleasure. I'm getting really excited about where we can take this podcast. And I'm just super grateful for all the listeners that have downloaded and given us ratings. Yeah, man, me too. <laughs> so how's your week been? Well, as I'm sure everyone can tell, we both have colds, so that's always fun. Awesome. But I think we picked something up. We, we're actually currently back in the U.S. now. Hey, welcome back. So long flights, you know, poor air circulation, fun stuff. So we have colds, but um, that's okay. We're, we're plugging along, and yeah, we're back visiting family in the U.S. right now. I don't feel bad, but I sound <laughs> terrible. I sound awful. Well, I think you both sound great. I feel like all winter I've had something going on, whether it's been like nose or throat. So it's affected my voice. And I'm sure all of you can tell whether it's on the podcast or the videos that I sound very differently on different on different ones. But it is what it is, right? It is what it is. Yep. So we're back in the U.S. and we still have videos yet to come out. And one thing that we're doing is on the 8th, we're going to do a live to talk about yeah. what we have 
experienced here and what we're already experiencing in terms of like a bit of reverse culture shock or just differences that we've noticed because it's been two and a half years since we've been back in the States. We haven't been back since we first moved to Portugal. So this week, Josh and I met with Rebbe. Now, Rebbe's our very first interview with someone who was not in Portugal. Kaylee, where'd you find her? We actually met her through the channel. She reached out to us when they were coming through Porto and they were looking to buy actually in Porto. So we, of course, had some good wine with her and her husband and just kept in touch. And she let us know about their process, wanting to move, but not ready to full on move, but then also looking to buy. And again, they were looking in Porto, but they ended up outside of Porto, which is a very fascinating story. So I wanted to get on the podcast to talk about it. But it was funny trying to sort out time zones you know, recording in Portugal and then Dan, you being in Chicago and then she's in Utah. Yeah, good times. So that was fun trying (laughs) to figure that out. Yeah, we were all over the map. This interview was a lot of fun for me because Kaylee had been doing most of the dialogue and talking back and forth with Rebby and her husband. So I didn't really know much of the story until we got going. I mean, Kaylee and Rebby had filled me in with bits and pieces before the interview, but What a fascinating story, and I'm super excited for both of them. I thought that it would be a good one for Josh to do, because like he said, I knew more of the story, but it being a lot about real estate, I thought that he would really find it interesting, and that he would know the right questions to ask, I guess, around the whole process. You're right. Well, I really liked her, and I love the way she and her husband are doing the move to Portugal their way. Uh, Another fantastic guest, Kaylee. All right, one more time, listener. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email or voice memo to podcast at expatseverywhere.com as we're putting together a Q&A session on the pod. You can also send any questions, feedback, advice, uh, what you think about the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll be back with Rebby right after this. Worldpost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone. And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month. Here's a cool feature they have. WorldPost can relay things from the U.S. to Europe. So that includes documents. <laughs> Amazon purchases Amazon from the purchases, US. <laughs> And you can get it to Portugal. And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters, and things like that. I bet you love that junk mail filter. Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters. <laughs> She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below. Okay, let's talk about Lusitana Dreams because what they're offering is really great. Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dream since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and and choke point of the proof of accommodation. Because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the the long-term people have had problems with, right? Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location and a livable location until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live. And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using. 
Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money. Yep. Lusitano Dreams offers visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast. Yeah, which is really exciting. So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. Rebby, thank you so much for joining us here on Expats Everywhere. And before we dive into all of the fun unpacking your transition to Portugal through buying a property, let's get to know you a little better and let's talk about where you're from and where are you in the process of moving to Portugal. So my husband and I are from northern Utah, um, a town called Ogden, about 30 minutes north of Salt Lake City. And we kind of went about our process, if you will, a little bit differently than some of the people who you've had on your podcast and on your videos. Um, I guess the the normal, if you will, uh, transition is, you know, kind of researching, getting excited, getting your visa, coming, renting, someday buying that. We kind of went about that backwards. <laughs> um, we just recently returned from a trip where we um, closed on a property up in the town called Vila Verde, which is in the north of Portugal, about, oh, 15, 20 minutes north of Braga. Yep. And we, again, bought this property. We do not have a visa yet. We are still living in Ogden. And we plan to jump back and forth between the two uh, for probably at least a year, just wrapping things up here, preparing. And then we do hope to ultimately jump to living full-time in Portugal. Nice. Well, what what prompted this? I have so many questions. What prompted this decision to buy something in Portugal? So my husband has been following Portugal for quite a while. Um, moving and living in Europe has been something that we have wanted to do and kind of dreamed of doing for a long time. And Portugal kind of jumped onto his radar oh, a number of years ago because there was some write-ups about how wonderful it was to retire and live in Portugal. So between, I guess, now and back 2016, we've made a number of trips to Portugal, coming at different times of the year, traveling to different places, staying in different towns, really trying to get a feel for the country, if you will. And we just fell in love with a number of different things, the people, the culture, the food, all of the things that you have really brought out in a lot of your uh, YouTube videos. And we came kind of on a scouting trip, oh, in August, I think, because we met up and had dinner, I believe, yep. and stayed in for about a month up in Porto because we really thought the north would kind of meet some of the things that we were looking for. And, you know, we stayed in a couple of different neighborhoods, really got a feel for the city. And then we decided, you know, let's jump up and spend a few days in Braga to see if maybe a smaller city might fit our speed a little bit more. So while we were there, we decided that we were going to rent some bikes and we found some hot springs that we were going to bike to. And on our way home, we biked through this cute town called Villaverde. And it just really had this great vibe, if you will, to use one of Kaylee's words that she usually likes to use. That's right. Um, the viber. She's a viber. It had, you know, just an upcoming feel. There was progress being made. There were 
you know, fun restaurants. And one of the restaurants that we had had dinner in, obviously, or oddly enough, the previous night in Braga, they had a second location up in Villa Verde. And so we were like, you know, this is kind of an anchor restaurant, you know, how some cities will get, you know, one anchor restaurant that really draws in a lot of different growth and progress, either around the food or just around the whole energy around the town itself. And so we thought, well, let's, let's see if there's any properties up here. We'll just, you know, check it out. So before we had come, I had joined a number of Facebook groups for expats, one in Braga, one in Porto. And I posted on the one up in Braga saying, hey, does anybody live up in this area? Do you want to meet for coffee? And I had also noticed at that time that there was a property that had just gotten posted by a realtor up on that Facebook page. So we contacted the realtor just to see if we happened to be able to go through it while we were in the area, which we did. And it really had all of the things that really ticked the boxes of a must-haves. We met with the expat group up there, and it was kind of funny because there was about 15 people that responded, and none of them knew that they actually lived within vicinity of each other. So it was just this group that came together, and there was just this synergy and energy, and um, they actually created their own expat Facebook group, and you know, there's about 40 people now, and so it was really kind of fun to see this. I love that story because essentially you went into a, a Braga Facebook group, right? Yeah. And, and the Braga community is really strong and there's there's a lot of people that are very active in that community. I would say more so than what we have in Porto, even Port, even though Porto has a larger overall community. I think the one in Braga is a little more tight knit. I think that's kind of the nature of Braga as well. But it's so funny yep. that, you know, you you find 15 people that don't know each other and they're they're in Villa Verde. And then now you say that it's up to 40. Yeah. And look, I mean, you were the start amazing. of it. <laughs> you, you you haven't even become an expat here and you're already uh, a master networker. I, I That's kind of my thing. I love people. I love to bring people together. But it, you're right. It was just this organic thing that grew out of, hey, is anybody here? We want to talk to you about the town. And when we were back just in January, we met up again. And it was so fun to see familiar faces and to talk to people, but then also to meet new people who have you know, have come to the area who are in the process if you just bought or are coming. And, you know, just to feel that sense of community already. And we haven't even made that final jump. That was amazing. We just absolutely loved it. Phenomenal. Well, tell me, how does Ogden compare to Villa Verde? <laughs> so, Eyes wise, probably, atmosphere, what, like what, what's that like? But probably similar. We, we were kind of talking, you know, on the mm-hmm. scale of you know, Porto, what does this remind us of? And um, we kind of felt like Braga was similar to Salt Lake, um, maybe in size and I guess spread, if you will. Ogden is a smaller city, but it is sadly not really a walkable city. And that was one of the things that um, my husband and I really wanted when we moved here. We loved the walkability of daily life. That was one of the things that we must have. I guess for our day-to-day life, we would not necessarily have to have a car. However, we would if we wanted to kind of explore the country a little bit more. So one of my husband's must-haves, it kind of cracks me up. Um, He's very, well, we both are. I shouldn't blame this all on him. We're very particular about the grocery situation. And there's two groceries. It's like one of them has to be in proximity of the apartment. 
and like walking distance. Saw, yeah, like walking distance. And okay. both a continent and a um, pingu are both within walking distance. So Perfect. that was a <laughs> amazing thing. Perfect. So you're saying Ogden doesn't really have a walkability. It doesn't really have like a downtown. It does, but it's not like close to like we would have to drive to downtown. Okay. And it's not walkable in that sense. Got it. So what's Villa Verde's like? It is walkable. You have all of the things. You have living, you know, obviously where we're living because we sought that out. Um, but they have just a darling promenade with the park that goes through the center of town. Um, all of the necessities, I guess, for daily life, the two groceries that we talk about right there within the center. There's a hospital, which was, you know, just down the block, which wasn't necessarily on a top of our must-haves, but it was kind of a, well, that's kind of nice. Your hardware store, your dog grooming facilities, your, you know, a number of restaurants where we could really be able to go out and not just be sick of everything or just have one option. Okay. Well, so it does sound like you, you really do have everything in walking proximity. Even though yeah. the, you guys want a car, you, you won't need one doing things on a daily basis. What is the transportation situation like they're kind of getting out is it by bus by train what's that like so that was one of the only downsides we really wanted train access like into a bigger yeah. city or you know directly to the airport things like that for sure unfortunately that is not there yet there is a bus that goes several times into braga and then there is a bus from braga to the airport or braga to porto but there isn't a train so that is the one drawback really that is kind of shining if I have to point out drawbacks to Villa Verde. Okay. Trade-off, right? Yeah. But I mean, you, you're in proximity to mountain biking, to the trails, to rivers. So, I mean, there's touch point with green space, which was one of my must-haves. Okay. And if you did decide to, let's say, catch a flight from Porto to somewhere outside, uh, somewhere else in Europe, or maybe uh -huh. even go back to the U.S., what would your public transportation commute be like going from Villa Verde to Braga, Braga, then to the airport? That is a really good question. I think over the next year or so, when we're jumping back and forth, that's going to be something that we tease out and sort Test of um, perfect. Yeah. Yep. We didn't have the opportunity to really dig into that because we were focused on let's get it barely functional before we leave, understand some things, make some contacts in the, in the city, do all of the closing stuff. But it would involve two different buses yeah. to get to Porto, not necessarily even directly to the airport. So I think there's going to be some tweaking with that. It might yeah. not be able to be a straight public transportation situation. But we were shocked if we will, we rented a car and it was mm -hmm. four euro a day. So Whoa. even if we picked up a car and had it for a few days before and drove it into the airport and dropped it off. That probably wouldn't be horrible. <laughs> what kind of car was this? What's the what's the rental company? We've never seen that was, deal with Europe car. It's a it's a company named um Sixt. It's S I X T. Okay. I wasn't the one, you know, organizing that, but we just happened to notice that and have that conversation of, hey, if we didn't even want to own a car, maybe we just, you know, rent one for when we need one or decide we want like Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a fair amount of people that that do that at least when they first move over. And then they yeah. make a decision on, okay, do we want one for the long run or not? I know it is a bit more expensive owning a car here than the States in terms of buying one and some of the 
initial like upfront costs that uh, that go on with that. Okay, earlier you said that there was a restaurant in Braga that had a second outlet in Villa Verde. It didn't happen to be a Mexican restaurant, did it? No, but let's let's talk about that elephant in the room. <laughs> there are no Mexican restaurants in Portugal. That is a serious problem. No, it was a restaurant. It was kind of a brew pub situation. Letaria? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I never pronounce it properly. Letraria, yeah. There's one in Porto as well. Yeah, we love their beer. It's good stuff. Yeah, so they have a restaurant up in Villa Verde, so there you go. Okay, nice. Is that where the brewery is, or is it in Braga? The brewery's no, in Villa No, I believe the brewery is there, yeah. So again, that's what I thought. there's your anchor, and there's your reason to come. Yeah, oh, fair enough. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, so what I can tell you about the Mexican restaurant situation here in, in Portugal is that and I think this is really across Europe. They just don't do it the same way as we do it in the U.S. And even in the U.S., it's not, it's not often authentic Mexican. But this is the tricky part about being an American living abroad is that you really have to make some sacrifices when it comes to certain cuisines. And Mexican is one of the first ones that you're going to have to make a sacrifice for. The good thing is, is that here in Porto, at least, we found a couple of places that have passable Mexican for sure. And I'm talking about like, not like four and five, but like six, seven, you know, like meets the standard of, of what decent Mexican is in the U.S. So that's good. Nice. Okay. Well, we'll have to get that list. <laughs> Absolutely. Next time you guys come to Porto, we'll take you out. Excellent. Love it. All right. Let's dive into how the real estate venture went. How did you find this property? Did you have an agent looking with you or were you all scouring Idealista? What did you do? I scoured Idealista. I had spreadsheet with the multiple real estate agents that we, you know, we found a property we were interested in. We wanted to see if we could tour it. You had hooked us up with our tour and I will provide his, his last name, but he was great and took us around a number of different properties while we were visiting Porto. One of the things that he did that was very helpful for us is he allowed us to go through several different properties, talking about the pros and cons to each of them and the pros and cons to each of the neighborhood that they were in. That was really, really helpful. Even though he ultimately was not the agent that helped us with the one up in Villa Verde, it still was extremely nice to be able to have that conversation with someone in the industry. One of the things that was surprising is, you know, having to have those touch points with the multiple different agents and sometimes understanding that some agents wouldn't necessarily want to either show your property because there was already another agent involved because they would have to split that commission, if you will. Yeah. Um, and so contacting the realtor directly who was featuring that property. So the way that we found the one in Villa Verde, I got onto the Braga expat site and it had been posted there. And so from there, I contacted the real estate agent and set up a time to go through that. After that point, we again went on the advice of you, other YouTube stations and expats that we talked to and got a real estate lawyer, Oswaldo Castello Neto. And I'm probably slaughtering his name, Oswaldo. I'm terribly sorry. Um, but he was great in kind of helping to be a go-between between us and the real estate agents, but then also helping us to understand the process. So 
from making contact with the agent to establishing a price that we were all okay with, we then had to bring in a mortgage broker because we did decide we wanted to look into the option of having a mortgage. And the way that works is the mortgage broker is the liaison between you and the number of banks. It's there you go out, they kind of scour the industry to find out what banks are out there, what options they have, because each one has a little bit different terms. And then to bring them back to you and present, like, these are the best three, what do you want to do? And then to make that connection between you and the banking agent so you can set up um, an account there. So that's just extremely high level. That was the process that we went through. Oswaldo was in charge of, he was our real estate lawyer, looking over all of the documents to make sure they were all taken care of, signed appropriately, filed with all of the different myriad of places that one has to have them filed, and then helping us set up different things along the way, helping to find those other key players in the process. Right on. So the process for you started out with trying to do your own search, but then having a, a property kind of present itself and you still were an advocate for yourself, uh, going out, reaching out to another agent up until the point where, and you bring this up beautifully, you needed to have some sort of legal representation. And that's something that we're finding on, on our side as we're getting ready to purchase a property here in Porto, that yeah. is, I think the most critical thing, because if that person's not on your side, they're probably the only person that's going to be on your side, right? And if that person's not on your side looking out for you, then you could be in a in a world of of hurt and massive financial exposure. Did did you kind of feel that way, like internally, emotionally? A little bit we did, just because, you know, we don't speak the language and all of the official document, I mean, it's all in, in Portuguese. Right. And, you know, just knowing where to file things. Is the paperwork even filed correctly in the first place? Is it registered in all of the various places that it needs to be registered and to even be sold? So that was a comfort. And finding one that was highly recommended by a number of expats, that really spoke volumes because it kind of assured us that there would be a level of communication between the two of us that we could, I guess, rely on, that he would understand what we needed um, where we were coming from, and he's gone through that process, people like us already. So he kind of would anticipate some of the questions and concerns that we would have. Okay. And he's, is he based in Braga? He is based in Braga. And that was also something nice because he was there versus having someone maybe in Lisbon or the Algarve where, yes, they're in country, but there's always these you know local nuances there's a lot of who you know and how fast you can get things hooked up and run through that it, you have to have that personal relationship with. It seems like that's a bigger thing in Portugal, that who do you know yeah. versus maybe here in the States. I mean, yeah, it exists here, but maybe not as much. Yeah, for sure. Was there anything that shocked you going through the process of purchasing the property? A, a little bit. One of the things <laughs> was just all of the different you know, agencies and paperwork and all of this randomness that had to happen. Yeah, the paperwork definitely feels a bit overwhelming. And especially oh because it is in a foreign language, uh, a language that none of us are proficient at right now. So it's certainly overwhelming just to to read all of that Portuguese. And 
like I said, yeah. I think you have to really rely on your, your legal representation in that regard. Yeah. One of the things um, that happened that we were a little bit frustrated with is the bank that we chose to go with. All of the paperwork, you have to set up an account with that bank and you, you know, they automatically deduct your mortgage payment from your account. All of the paperwork that came to us that we had to sign was only in Portuguese. And oftentimes they'll provide an English translation. So you at least had an idea of what you were agreeing to. Right. They didn't. And they were, uh, they were like, yeah, we don't have that. <laughs> you want us to sign all of this and we don't know what we're agreeing to. How is this a legal situation? Um, What's the bank? It was Novo Banco. Novo Banco. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. They, and they tend to have some of the best like rates and terms yeah. for people. Yeah. Okay. So that, yeah. that's really good for the listener to know if, if you end up uh, having Novo Banco pitch to you from your real estate broker, there's a, a high chance that all the documents are going to be in Portuguese. Yes. And there's, there's agents there that are happy to sit down on a Zoom meeting with you and talk you through it. But there still have been some surprises that have come up that are in the paperwork that were like, this is new to us. So that I'm sure that that is not a unique situation, yeah. but it was something that we were a little bit frustrated with. But, you know, I, it is kind of what it is sometimes. Yeah. Was the, the life insurance thing part of it? I'm glad you asked that. That was one of the things. And depending on the amount that we um, decided to have finance, Novo yeah. Banco would go up to 80% was what they agreed to for us. But yeah. we had to have that life insurance. And that was pricey. That was yeah. about 190 euro a month. So we ended up putting more down so that we could get away from that. The other was the large upfront amount of cash that you had to have even if you did not go with the mortgage. So if you went with the mortgage, there's all of that. And then you put that chunk down, but there is a lot of transfer tax and stamp taxes and notary fees and the lawyer fees and the valuation. And, you know, ours ended up being a little more than about six and a half percent of our purchase price. But I, what I was reading and what I saw recommended was that you are emotionally prepared to have that element be 10% of the purchase price yes. in addition to whatever you're putting down. So yes. that was that was surprising. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say 10% for sure, maybe even 15%. Just prepare yourself for yeah. kind of those crazy upfront prices. You know, and this is another thing that kind of leads Portugal down some difficult issues when it comes to housing is that most of their housing problems, I think, stem from the fact that you have all of this upfront cost in purchasing a property, yet the annual property tax is is very low. So very. Yeah. So so you lose a bit of equity when you first make the purchase because you've dumped a bunch of extra cash in it, but you can hold on to that property for quite some time because you don't really have to pay much on it annually because of taxes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I know that that can that can be shocking. We've had a few friends that have purchased properties and it's absolutely blindsided them and they're scrambling yeah. for cash. You know, they've they've got their cash ready, but then it's like, oh, by the way, you, yeah. you actually have 10 percent more that you need to pay. And they're like, where are we going to get this cash from? Yeah, you know, yep, exactly. <laughs> OK, so where are you at in the process right now? Have you have you moved into this place? Are you doing renovations? What's that look like? 
Moving in is a very strong statement. <laughs> um, so we have spent about three nights in in the property. So once we, you know, we came, we spent about three weeks in in January, February. And you know how you do when you, you know, get a property for the first time, you want to do all of the cleaning, even though it was left immaculately clean. We wanted to clean and make sure we really had a good feel for every nook and cranny, if you will. So we took the time to do that. Um, my husband had ordered a mattress before we left and it was delivered while we were there. Again, on the recommendation from all of the wonderful people in the Braga and Villa Verde expat groups, went and found um, places where we could either purchase or have furniture made. And having furniture made seems to be, a I don't know if it's easier than it is in the States, but it seems like it's more common. People don't have necessarily the, the real estate to have all of the options there for you to buy on the floor, but are happy to do things like that. So we have set up those relationships, having a couple of different things made. We are going to do some minor construction in there just to make the space, I guess, feel a little bit more. Yeah. But really, one of the things that we were looking for is a property that was not going to be a project. Mm -hmm. We really bought this with more of an investment eye. As I was saying before, we're doing things all backwards, Josh. We didn't want to rent when we go for the D7 visa, which is our intention. We wanted to have some place that we could already come to and we could have kind of as our, our landing place, if you will, to further explore the country to then possibly buy a more forever home situation. So whether or not we decide it's going to be where we are, we don't know. But that's a really hard decision to make when you're not in country really living. Sure. Well, regarding the the house, what were some must-haves that you wanted? So for the house itself, we really wanted between, you know, a, a T2 to T3, so two or three bedrooms, two to three bathrooms. We wanted it to be at least 120 square meters. We felt like that was an acceptable amount of room for two people just kind of starting. Again, we really had some other exterior requirements. We needed to be able to have our day-to-day -day be walkable. I needed a touch point with green space. We wanted it to be somewhat close to a, a bigger city and to the airport. So I just you know, kind of some of those must have. We also, again, wanted it to be new or newer. So it wasn't a project. So with, with the newer ones, um, the energy efficiency rating is something that is required. So this one was a, an A energy rating, which was important because, yeah. I mean, you know more than most. <laughs> um there's that, you know, cold with the humidity and the insulation with the noise. So we wanted it to be a quiet space, which is mm -hmm. hard if you're looking for some place that's more central and walkable in a downtown yeah. area. Okay. Do you feel like there are any things that are missing either from the property itself or from the town? Um, I would say the town itself is growing. There's some visual growth. Um, you know, they're doing things. They have paved bike paths, which was one of the things that we found really intriguing about the town. The the transportation, the direct train access, you know, you and I have already kind of talked about that. But, you know, restaurants and shopping, there's a decent amount. And we, we're close enough to Braga where really that's not a problem. If we need to have a different restaurant experience, we need to go shopping. There's two huge mall situations and an Ikea within 15 to 20 minutes. Um, for the apartment itself, it was actually slated as a T3, but the people who were there before during the construction process, they wanted a larger master suite. 
with a huge walk-in closet. So that is what they did. So now it is a T2. My husband and I, we, we don't have quite that many clothes. So we thought, well, maybe we'll convert part of it as an office. They're, we're going to install a Murphy's bed so that second bedroom can be a more usable space. So we can have guests stay with us, but the not room isn't just sitting there. So we could use it as an exercise room or even an office. So there are some minor things that we'll probably do. But really, it ticked all of the boxes that we really felt like it needed to in order to decide that it was a, a good investment. Okay. Well, it's funny because when you said that it had this large walk-in closet and you said maybe, I thought you were going to say maybe I'm going to go shopping because I know <laughs> Kaylee would have said that. 100% Kaylee would have said that to me. <laughs> that, that's awesome. Um, yes, no, that would be great, but it has a good amount of storage on its own. But if you think about the stuff that you, you know, either accumulate or, you know, want to have when you are permanently jumping over here, you know, that storage can be a finite situation. Absolutely. This one, fortunately, has a lot of storage, but it also has a, a two-car garage that's enclosed in addition Sweet. to, you know, visitor parking. So it really have a lot of amazing things that you don't necessarily see in a lot of properties in Europe. Okay. So it sounds like the property is, is a nice fit. The town is a really nice fit for you. Yeah. Similar enough to Ogden, but maybe an upgrade in a way. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So I'm, I'm actually curious to know what your plans are then over the next couple of years before you apply for the D7. Are you planning on doing two to three months at a time and just spending time here on a tourist visa before you actually get your residency visa or, or apply for the residency visa? Yes, that's going to be our plan. More of a slow integration, if you will. So like you were saying, staying on the tourist visa, jumping over for you know longer chunks of time within that allowance, if you will, for the, mm -hmm. the tourist visa, wrapping things up here because you know we're slow integrators, so it's mm -hmm. not going to be cut and dry. Um, I anticipate for the next year, maybe even to the back and forth, really easing into that. We own a property in Ogden, which once we make that final transition, I believe we plan to to sell that property. So there will be that to deal with. You know, we have a dog, so there's going to be that. <laughs> but yes, we do plan to go through the D7 process. But then when we come, we won't have to worry about that. You know, one year, got to figure out what our housing situation is. It's already established. It's already there. Are there any other things that you're doing to prepare for your final move? Yeah. So I will probably need to find another job. I know my employer is not going to allow me to work from overseas. So that will be something that I need to look into. Um, my husband is lucky enough that he got to retire, the lucky bug. So I think just working out the finances, that's going to be probably the next big thing is trying to find that accountant that understands both worlds and really kind yep. of fine-tuning who that person's going to be. So all of those things will need to be kind of taken into account. We wanted time to process those before we jump into, you know, ultimately going through the D7. Nice. Well, good idea because it sounds like you've locked in a great property. You've locked in a, a property at a price that you're happy to pay on a monthly basis. So that's awesome. Uh, we don't know where the future of housing prices are going to be. So that's that's really good that you've locked that in. And I think, honestly, for anybody that is planning on moving here, 
a huge thing is figuring out what your tax ramifications are for moving here because it's highly variable. This is why we don't like to give tax advice on any of our YouTube content because our situation is very different from other people's situation. Even if another person has a YouTube channel and they're making money off that YouTube channel, it doesn't mean that our situations are the same. It doesn't mean that our income streams are the same. Uh, so it's so important, I think, for people before they make the move to figure out what exactly their tax situation is. Does their job qualify them for the NHR? And if it doesn't, then can you afford the tax bill? And do you know people that can help you with the double taxation treaties that exist? I mean, I think for Americans, it's a little more straightforward. But for other countries, people that are moving from other countries that don't have a double taxation treaty with Portugal, you might be on the hook for taxes in your country and taxes in Portugal. So I think you're doing everything super well. <laughs> I, I don't know why it's like you, you talk negatively about yourself, like you guys are doing this backwards. I think you're doing it your way. And there's, there's yeah. no like one right way to do this, this move, uh -huh. but your way looks like it's, it's going really, really smooth. And I hope it continues like that. I think that has been one of the really nice things about being able to look at all of the different content that's online. We've been able to see other people's situation, how they went through it, what their experience was. And then we're able to take all of that information and kind of fine tune it to what we are comfortable with and what we need. So thank you for doing your content and then the other people out there who are doing theirs. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. You're absolutely welcome. What expats are where we believe that living abroad transforms lives. How has starting this process transformed your life? You know, we really feel the same way. Traveling in and of itself, being able to understand and more appreciate people's cultures and where they come from, it changes your perspective. So while we haven't necessarily transitioned completely to Portugal, it does help us to have a more global view on different situations. And it just creates more empathy and understanding, which really is in short supply nowadays anyway. Beautifully put. Beautifully put. Well, Rebby, thank you so much for meeting with expats everywhere. Let's move to Portugal. Let's do it. <laughs> Thanks. So listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal. We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up. And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the digital nomad visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the digital nomad or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off. So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on. And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date. Well, I have to because they're always changing things and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. 
Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials. And if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere Presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions. Expats Everywhere researches our guests, and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts.